Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and it is our responsibility every week, every opportunity we have to broadcast this show to empower you, our listeners, to knowing being and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways to do that, but the best way, the primary way, if you want to get your thoughts, insight, uh, commentary live on the air, you can call in. We do have the number 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts live on the air with me. But if you don't want to get on the air, we have the, the chat room that is open. You can go to Block Talk Radio and log into the chat room and share your thoughts and insights there. Also, you can uh, contact me personally. You hit me up on my email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Go to our Facebook page, Zero Network. Show the commentary there. Share your commentary there. Uh, listen to archive shows. Um, go to blogtalkradio.com slash zero today and um, like the show, subscribe to the show, go to the website, LorenzoTNeal.com. Many other ways you can do it. Uh, we are here, and we're glad that we're here. We're glad that you're here. So much to talk about, so little time to talk about. It. And, um, yes, we are going to be discussing uh, the incident with Mike Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. We're also going to be talking about uh, a couple other things. 
but it is a grief, very grieving time here in uh, America, United States. Um, so we want to talk about uh, a lot of things here. Well, not a lot, but we're going to try to squeeze in all this stuff. The commentary with uh, Robin Williams, um, commentary about other things. Hopefully we can get it all in. But if not, you can always share and uh, what we talk about. You can always share and we can probably, we'll try to do as much follow-up as we can. But before we go any further into the show, um, I, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We bless you for another opportunity to be on this broadcast. We thank you for uh, the means of uh, allowing us to do so. We thank you for others who are having shows on today and as well throughout this week for the topics they'll be discussing and for the people they'll be sharing with. Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray this in your name. Amen. It is a very, very, it's been a hard week, a hard four days for the United States. And I say that uh, because of the incidents that have been happening in these these few days, particularly uh, with the incident of Michael Brown in, in uh, the suburb of St. Louis, but more recently with the suicide death of, of Robin Williams. Um, and, and if I sound like I'm in a somber tone, I am. So before I get into those things, let me... I guess I should let me try to try to pick my own self up. Um, I I I I've read so many humorous stories throughout the week as I was preparing for the show, and um, um, you know what? I can't even get to the humor side. <laughs> There's a pastor, uh, and it's always pastors. I don't know why pastors do this. They just they just make it so easy sometimes for us to pick on them. And yeah, I'm I'm a pastor, um, but there's a billionaire pastor in South America. I can't pronounce his name. Um, I, I posted this story to my Facebook page, and if you go to my Facebook page, you'll you'll, you'll find the story. Uh, the story is of this pastor who is a billionaire, or at least he's uh, they are, the media is saying that he's a billionaire. I don't know. But he is in a replica of a temple in Brazil. Now, here's the thing. He got money to do it. But uh, it's going to cost millions of dollars to build it. It's going to be a life-size replica. It's going to be a church. And it's going to be uh, uh, larger than the statue of Christ in uh, Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. If you've ever seen that, um, if you've ever seen that, it, it's going to be larger than that. And uh, Adir Macedo, that's his name. Um, so, uh, Sao, somewhere in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, one of the largest cities. Now, the dude got the money to do it, so I guess he should do it. But, you know, a few weeks ago, I was talking about uh, the excessiveness of some preachers, millionaires, and things of that nature. And I come out of the story, I'm like, this dude is a billionaire. This pastor is a billionaire. How, how do you a billionaire pastor? I, 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 I can't fathom. Now, I know the population in Brazil 
is far greater than the population in the United States. Um, but also the poverty in Brazil is far greater, exceeds that of the United States. So it's just funny that um, that he's going to do, though. How he's going to fund it, I, I, you know, church is going to fund it. It's going to be 2,000 people. $300 million for this temple. Uh, uh, Solomon, uh, I just, I just, I just can't fathom it. And uh, the pastor claims it's not about the denominational thing. He leads, a, he leads a, a large, uh, he has a large following. Uh, he's Pentecostal, I believe, is what he is. Um, but um, it, it, for him, it's all about repli- replicating this great temple. Uh, and and think think about what he's putting. Let me let me put in perspective what he's putting in here. He's gonna put in Italian marble. In fact, he says he says it's gonna have every detail that the original uh, temple of Solomon had. I I you know you go back into uh, the story of first kings, uh, first kings, second kings, first kings, the story the story of Solomon. Yeah, first kings, uh, where you get that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Y'all, y'all find it for. I, I believe it's in First Kings, where where Solomon builds the temple somewhere in there. I don't give me specifics. I, I I'm not going to get lost in specifics. First Kings or Second Samuel, either way, uh, he builds the <laughs> he builds the temple and he uses the elaborate thing. God, he uses the model that was laid out to his father by God. His father, by God. It's going to have all kinds of stuff. You know, the olive trees and the stones is going to come from Israel. And it's going to have the, I think, uh, you have the columns. And I can't say how tall the columns are. I think it was about, uh, I think, 30 columns or such, if if I understand it correctly. But a roof that's going to be of copper. And um, and it's going to include the, 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 the church slash temple is going to include um, artifacts and it's going to include a museum that's going to have biblical artifacts. So not only will you give a, be able to go to the church, but you'll be able to, uh, <laughs> as visitors, you'll be able to, um, you know, purchase things, see things from biblical times. Uh, uh, gold stained glass windows. Uh, the interior walls embellished. This, I'm reading this. Um, this is from the Christian Post, so you can go there and read the story. Uh, the interior walls are embellished with a huge menorah, while the top of the altar shows 100 square meters of gold-stained windows. I wasn't good in math, so I don't know how many meters is feet or yards. <laughs> but, hey, you know, if he accomplishes this, my, my my question is, what would be the point of building this? And, and you know, I, I've gotten beyond all these big church buildings because I realized that they're following in historical precedent. Think about the great cathedrals that were built, the one in Chartres in France, and um, all the ones that dot Italy and Rome, and uh, probably perhaps the biggest one that... That's now a now a mosque in Turkey that was a cathedral and and uh 
here in the in the states we have uh the Washington Cathedral, the National Cathedral and uh St. Patrick's in in New York. So these are great great buildings and you know they were designed to represent the cross and they were designed to represent the the wealth of the church. So I guess in that sense he might be entitled to build his uh <laughs> Build his grand cathedral to himself, you know, or or to his denomination, or to whoever he represents. But that's neither here nor there. I just I just thought it was interesting, and I thought I'd share with that, share that with you. So that's my little uh, pick me up for me. That's my pick me up for the for me. I'm gonna take a quick break, and when we come back from the break, we're gonna uh, I'm gonna talk about this. Uh, this deal with Robin Williams and the the issue of depression. And again, I'm going to talk about it about preachers and discuss that. But the real topic of the day and uh, the, the the topic of the day we're going to be discussing is um, black pastors, and black life, the value of black life, and the duty of black pastors. And, and I want to put that into perspective: the value of black life and the duty. A black pastor. So that's what we're going to focus on. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll touch on Robin Williams and depression and suicide. And then when we come back from the break, when we come back from the break, uh, I, 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 when we come back from that, we'll we'll talk about um, the main topic. So y'all just bear with me. You know, we're going to do what we can and we're glad we're here. So don't tune me out. Tune me off. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. There's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Heatcentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you are not disappointed when you order your candle today from Heatcentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while there, also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter. I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Heatcentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life. Jackson State University is not just another university. It's a community. It's a family. And that's not all. Jackson State University is a national leader in biomedical research and development. With world-class science, math, engineering, and technology departments. At Jackson State University, we're leading the way in technology and innovation. One Jackson State University, changing lives one student at a time. Who loves social networking as much as you? Identity thieves. They can find your personal information and do some serious damage. 
like your birthday or your mother's maiden name. You need a new friend, LifeLock. We scour billions of data points every day. And if we discover that any of your personal information is misused, LifeLock is there. Call us at 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com today. You know, friends, I appreciate uh, music of all kinds. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing like gospel music, particularly black gospel music. And black gospel music is ever-involving. Sometimes it gets on my nerves. But every now and then, there's a group and there's a project that comes out and just blesses me. And AME Live is one of those projects. And I'm not just saying that because I'm A or B. <laughs> but the Music and Christian Arts Ministry of the African Methodist Episcopal Church has just released its new CD, AME Live, and you can get your copy of it today. I'm telling you, it has some beautiful tracks on there. One of my favorite tracks is, is uh, uh, tracks on that CD is the rendition of Greatest Thy Faithfulness. It's a wonderful, wonderful rendition of a beautiful hymn. And I tell you, I know that you would enjoy it. So I want to encourage you to order your copy today of AME Live. And there's several ways you can do it. You can, it's available on iTunes. It's available on Amazon, any major outlet, Walmart. But you can also go to M-A-M-E, dot com, and you can order your copy today. You will not be disappointed. I tell you, it covers a vast, I mean, it shows the diversity of our great Zion and, and, and the great church. So you will love it. You, if you like that foot stomping, hand clapping, shouting, you got that. If you like, it has an African tune on there. Just uh, It's beautiful. Some ballads on there that are wonderful. That, of course, I told you my favorite. So get out and order your copy today. AME Live. Pick it up. I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed. It's our favorite, yours and mine, because we found it together on a walk, 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 love to walk, a long walk, a a walk with you, a walk I smelled squirrels on, but I stayed by your side because I could tell, could feel that you had a bad day and me being bad wouldn't make it any better. But being there was already helping a little anyway. And then we found that wonderful thing waiting there, waiting for you and me. And you smiled and threw it. And I decided right when I picked it up, I would never, ever leave it anywhere. Ever. Because that wonderful, bouncy, roll-around thing had made you play. And that had made you smile. Put more play in your day. Beneful. Play. It's good for you.
All right, good morning. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and today we're discussing uh, the value of black life and the duty of black pastors. And before we get into that topic, I uh, I, I, want, I want to address this issue with Robin Williams' death. And I loved Robin Williams, one of my uh, favorite comedian, uh, comedian actors. Uh, I, I, I remember him all the way back from Mork and Mindy days. But, uh, you know, I, I celebrate what he did as a comedian with him. Um, Whoopi Goldberg and Billy Crystal back in the day when they did the uh, Comic Aid. Uh, I can't I can't remember what. You know, they did the comic show uh, that did all the relief work for farmers and other. You know, you know them, comic relief is what it was called. And, you know, I, I saw him in a different light. Other than just an entertainer. Of course, I like most of his movies. There were some that flopped, but I just like his versatility, even when he played serious roles. But he he was an amazing comedian. You know, the timing and, and the guy had so much energy. I just can't, you know, always seemed to have so much energy, and I liked him at that. Uh, but his recent suicide has been both... Uh, Mourned, grieved, and it's um, actually been uh, been uh, criticized. You know, I, I I've been watching and listening, and 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 I and I, I talked about depression. I I've been been depressed. I know what it's like. You know, and now I'm teaching and 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 doing workshops to clergy about depression and suicide. I think the message needs to get out that this is a serious issue, and I, what hurt me is when church folk started. You know, of course they made the news when they made the news. They were talking about the the spirit of the demon, and I can't argue. You know, I'm I'm not going to argue that. But if you want to be spiritual like that, that's fine. But the reality is, if you only articulate it as a spiritual Septum, then guess what? Nine times out of ten, you'll never really address the main, the real issue. Depression is a very serious sickness. I won't call it a disease because uh, uh, it can be cured. It can be managed properly if you if you have many. I, I have persons, acquaintances, very dear friends who who uh, struggle with bipolar disorder and depression, manic depression, and they live healthy lives. You know, it, it's it's a difficult, challenging life, but they manage. Uh, they know what triggers uh, the, their episodes. And in this case, you know, uh, according to reports, Mr. Williams just had a plethora of events, a series of unfortunate events that that uh, probably wore heavily on him emotionally. And so we need to be careful, particularly as church folk and, and pastors. Uh, we need to be more aware and uh, more vocal about this issue. We have it more. We have it going on in the black church more than we would like to address. Uh, you know, uh, along with other health issues like AIDS, HIV, um, other things that we are not uh, we're not addressing because we're afraid that it would we would you know it would tarnish our image as a pastor or as a church. Or as a community, we're not as strong as we want to be, and we just need to admit that. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. I've learned to admit that. I've learned to accept the things I cannot change. <laughs> but um, those are just 
I just wanted to, you know, we've been praying for his family, his children, his, uh, his wives, ex-wives, and whatever. Uh, and it was a sad report reading uh, that one of his daughter, uh, the one who just had a birth recently, um, she had withdrawn from social media because she was being attacked because of his death. And I don't understand how that is. I don't understand why you would lash out against someone uh, like Todd Bridges, the actor from Different Strokes, called it selfish, a selfish act. And at one time, I probably would have agreed with him. But the more I studied, uh, and because I work in the field, uh, you know, I, I work as a chaplain, and I work as a pastor, and I work as a counselor, and I've been educated in that. I, under, I have a great understanding and a greater empathy towards people who, who um, are experiencing uh, depression and contemplating suicide, and you'll be surprised how quickly it comes, and how 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 long it may stay. Sometimes, so but but if you're struggling, if you're in my audience and you're struggling with depression, or you feel uh, down a little too long, I want to encourage you to reach out. Reach out to someone. Reach out to uh, a therapist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist. If your pastor is trained. And I emphasize trained in that area. Reach out to your pastor. If not, you know, if you can't go to your pastor, go to someone. Just just get help. Seek help. It's available to you, and you should afford yourself, avail yourself to it. So that's all I wanted to say on that. And, again, you know, we're deeply sorry for his for the loss of this comedic legend. Uh, but I agree for many others who are unknown who suffer quietly, who have done the same thing, who committed suicide, and they go unnoticed, and their families are still grieving because of that. But uh, uh, that's my two cents. So, uh, and now on to the main topic of today. And let me share, let me preface this. Uh, let me Let me preface this by saying that I'm going to be the first one to admit uh, that what is happening regarding black young men is probably the most hurtful. And when I say hurtful, because, you know, I, I, I grew up in a time in the late 80s and early 90s when gang violence was at its peak, uh, the second peak. The first peak was in the 50s, you know, the latter part of the 50s and early part of the 60s that some gangs, when they began, to, you know, when they started. And, but they weren't killing, you know. They were vandalizing. They were beating up each other, you know. They were claiming street territory. But the second height of the gang violence in the latter part of the 80s and the early part of the 90s I grew up in that time, you know, I, I, my teenage years, and I saw the angst that some of my friends from my my neighborhood expressed by joining gangs and committing crimes and you know, every now and then having a shootout in the neighborhood, every now and then having a big fight. Uh, so so that's that's probably what's most grieving to me. 
is the fact that when it, as I talk about the value of black life, as I as, as I reflect on the period of the gangs, you might remember remember that you remember that 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 documentary banging in Little Rock that came out in the early nineties, and I have met. Uh, one of the stars, the, the gang leaders from that period, and I, you know, and re, you know, after he had been reformed, and he's a wonderful man. He, he, he has managed to do some amazing things since that documentary. And I think about uh, Tukey Williams, and uh, before he was, uh, uh, before he was killed, or you know, before his death sentence was carried out. How how he wanted to impact the world from inside the jail cell, and how he reeducated himself and empowered himself to become a better man. And even in the midst of being confined to penitentiary, was able to uh, change a lot of lives, impact a lot of lives. And you know, he was a penitent man. He he he, he did. He understood. Uh, what had happened and at the recapitulation of his life, he was able to transform many of minds. But the problem in that, the problem was that um, in all of that, it still re-emphasized re, uh, re or emphasized this lack of value for black life. And in the wake of the death, the murder, because it is murder, uh, you cannot justify it any other as any other thing. In Mr. Mike Brown's case, in the case of uh, the young lady who was shot, uh, what's her, what's the young lady? Uh, the guy was just found guilty of uh, second second degree murder. He shot her on a per, you know, yeah, Renisha, I think that's the name. I can't think of. Um, in the case of Trevon Martin and many, many others, we could go on and on and on. Um, it still says overwhelmingly that for some people, not all, black life isn't as valuable as others. Now, uh, I'm going to just say this. I... I, I I hate the response, the reaction that the blacks in the community of Ferguson uh, did following the uh, the incident with Mike Brown. Um, I hate the fact they were rioting and looting because that had no purpose. And uh, I, I, it grieved me that we were using opportunities where we should be banding together against an injustice to... Steel, and you know, I read on uh, World News, uh, I think it World Net Daily, World Net Daily, where the mayor of Ferguson and police chief and all the arrests that they made, I think they made uh, over 30 arrests regarding the looting. A vast majority of those persons were from outside of that community, had no connection to the immediate community of Ferguson, and they were the ones causing the violence and uh, the root, the rioting and the looting. Uh, but like I said, the whole the whole act of you shooting uh, an officer shooting 
an unarmed black young man. Uh, I think it said in excess of about eight shots, eight to ten shots. I mean, that just said, even if it was provoked, even if Michael Brown provoked the officer, the excessive violence is enough to call for injustice, to call for a, a violation of this man, this black man's civil rights. All of this, that would be justified because there is no way, there is no way that you could just do that. And yeah, I can understand he may have an adrenaline, I had an adrenaline rush and whatever. But anyway, I said that uh, uh, because what is happening post incident is that the community is trying to find a way to grieve as well as express their indignation toward the incident. And in doing so, the people are not, uh, uh, the people, while there are some pockets, and, and again, you have, uh, I've, been, I've been following, I have a lot of friends in the area, a lot of pastor friends in this area, and the problem is that since this incident has happened, while there is an appearance of a unified front, it, there is no real unified front. You got the you know, you got the regulars coming in. You got the Al Sharpton, and you got all the other big wigs coming in to get the media attention, and that that's that's all it's going to get the media attention. And then you have those who are, you know, they're trying to become startup people. You know, they 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 they're hoping to do something to get themselves a little media attention. And then you have the very small segment of that group who are honestly concerned about the welfare of the community. They're the ones who are sitting and praying as well as uh, as well as uh trying to communicate uh their indignation, their anger in a in a way that is uh not as volatile. Not as volatile. And I read an article from a friend of mine who was there, and he attended one of the protest meetings last night, uh, or, or uh, earlier this week. I, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday. And he said he posted. He said he was at this meeting, and it's this preachers leading this meeting, not the, not medium. Uh, anyway, so they're, they're preachers leading this meeting, and they're community activists and organizers leading this minute this meeting, where people are, are gathered. Uh, expecting to get information and marching orders to effectively protest, and they asking for money out of the blue, asking for money, and they had no, you know, you caught everybody off guard because they're like, what, what you need money for? What's the purpose? We, but anyway, so I thought that as long as also others thought that that was strange, you know, why in the world are you asking for money? When this incident is going on, and there's already enough chaos, and you're expounding on the chaos by asking for for something that's irrelevant. But I digress. So, what does that have to do with the value of black life, expendability of black life, and the duty of black pastors? Well, this is where I am glad that you asked me this. Because... Uh, 
and I'm, I'm drawing from several sources here, so you just, you know, I try to connect all the sources as I as many as I can, um, and I'll give you all the information that you uh, that I have. It'll be accessible on my Facebook page and I, um, other sources referenced on on the, uh, on the blog and everything. What uh, I, I read a piece by one of my good friends, uh, brother in ministry, and also fellow me pastor, and, and uh, the Reverend Doctor Michael Waters. He wrote a very interesting piece on uh, the Huffington Post. He has a blog on Huff, Huff Post, and he wrote this piece that black life is expendable. And in the piece, you can go there to HuffingtonPost.com, Michael Waters, you'll, you'll find the article. And the article is entitled, Black Life is Expendable. And he goes through a litany uh, of things, even all the way back to uh, the incident with... Um, the killing of three men here in Mississippi 50 years ago, two white men and one black man. And the incident was um, uh, uh, you had um, Goodman, um, Swerner, I think that was his name, and the long black man, uh, Cheney. Now, these three were part of the Freedom Summer, and uh, they were pulled over just outside of Philadelphia, Mississippi. And, of course, uh, all three were murdered. And um, in his piece, he brings out the point, the point that while the two white men were, were murdered, they were shot instantly. The black man, the lone black man, Cheney, not only was he murdered, but he was tortured and beaten before he was murdered. And the excess is what he brought about. You know, it was as if they had to prove a point that even though the the two black men, the two white men were murdered, theirs was a merciful, more merciful killing. They had to prove the point with the black man. And if we if we see that today, if we we not see it today, but if we if we actually are paying attention today that that mindset still is there we can't hide away from it the mindset is still black life is not as valuable as white life and i know that may come across as being a bit racist i know it may come across as being a bit in uh politically incorrect but i lived and grew up in the hood I was I was stopped as a kid just because of the colors I wore that were gang affiliated. I never get up walking home from school and I'm getting you know I'm a nerd. I got the big coke bottle of glasses and I got my instrument case in my backpack and an officer, a white police officer, had the nerve to frick you know frisk me saying that I'm fit the identity of someone who had just committed a crime. And I'm like, dude, really? Come on now, you got to be kidding me. So I can understand the, uh, this idea. Now let me, get you some, let me give you some facts here as to why I say 
uh, black life is not as valuable. And what I'm going to say later, uh, and hopefully I have enough things to support this, that it is the duty of the black pastor to empower us to believe that black life is valuable. The prison rate, the incarceration rate, just just incarceration rate, while blacks only make up about 13% of the population, our incarceration rate is about 89% of that. Now, while black men make up, we make up less, less than 8%. And, and, you know, it depends on where you get your statistics from, but uh, let's just be general. Let's just give a general uh, generalization to say we make up about, uh, if we have 14% of the population, let's say we're about 12% as black men. And, you know, that's a stretch. And, and again, various statistical numbers, it depends where you get your, your statistics from is what the facts, you know, where, where that would be. Our incarceration rate is higher. Now, while there is white-on-white white crime, and the biggest, I mean, the majority of the crime that's committed in America is white-on-white, white. Uh, the majority of violence committed, violent crimes committed in America is white-on-white. White. Uh, but again, you're looking at a majority population. So, you know, statistically, it's always going to be greater uh, because there's a greater population. But when you look statistically at the rate of black-on-black crime, it's staggering considering where we are, where we fit into statistics, population-wise. We fit into statistics. We have an overwhelming uh, spike as far as 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 crime against ourselves, black-on-black crime. Why is this set? so, you know, as long as there's been black people on this earth, there's been black-on-black crime. So there's nothing new. We know for a fact that with some of our own on the continent of Africa, in the western coast, who sold our own into slavery, we know that. We know for a fact that the very first slave owner in the United States that was legal was a black man. We know that. White wasn't the first one to enslave us legally. We did it to ourselves. So, I mean, this is a, and dare I say, it's a generational curse with us regarding our own devaluation of our lives and ourselves. As we look from our, from, from just his per, Historical perspective, we taught ourselves not to value ourselves. We taught ourselves that our life is expendable. And the, the broader society has picked up on that. That's why you can have nearly 600 murders in one city, one major city, and it only gets news maybe twice a year. That's why you can have murders even in the rural city. We had an incident here in, in the Jackson metro area just on Monday. And it was very, very sad because a stepfather killed his stepdaughter for no apparent reason. No one knows why. 
he just shot her to death, and then uh, before before being killed himself, to his job where he worked and, and was was uh, reported as saying that I I don't want to go back to jail, I can't afford to go back to jail, or I'm not going back to jail, and um, forced the police to kill him because he branded a gun and he was, you know, when asked to drop the, to uh, drop his weapon, he refused and the police opened fire and killed him, which is what he wanted. It's disturbing because, you know, again, the act was not police brutality. You know, nobody, you know, the police killed this man, but nobody rioting or anything. Why? Because they understood that the first act a violence was committed by the man himself who killed, who was killed. He didn't value the life of his own stepdaughter so much as so to take hers for no reason or reasons that we uh, have not been made known to the public and we will be grieving. You know, we'll have to be, we'll be grieving soon because this woman had a child that saw this. Uh, Lord have mercy. What, what am I saying here? We have been taught, whether we would like to admit it or not, that our life as black Americans is not as valuable as others. Now, it's, that could probably be said in the same, in the same light for uh, Latino Americans, Hispanic Americans. could probably be said same light for white Americans. But again, I'm just going by statistically, you know, we are now the third, uh, we're, not the, we're not even the top minority anymore, you know. And statistically, we have run the course of saying that our value is not as great. Now, I wanted to play a clip, uh, <laughs> I wanted to play a clip from the movie The Django, Django Unchained. And if you watch that movie, you know there's a there's a clip in the movie where Samuel Jackson plays a house negro named Stephen, and and Stephen, you know he's he's over, he's the 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 head negro on plantation, and he sees Django riding up on a horse, and uh. He immediately, when he's called, he said, well, who is this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I can't play the clip because of the language. <laughs> but uh, you can go to YouTube and probably find that clip or watch the movie. But here, here it is displayed. It, it is a, a wonderful display of how, how much we really don't value our life as much because we, we don't want to see others of our kind at uh, doing better than us, and that's just a reality. We don't want to see um, some black folk doing get the big, be it in an entertainment arena or any other arena. We don't want to see it. We don't celebrate blacks' achievement. Well, we don't collectively celebrate it. We have pockets of celebration, you know, Black History Month, you know, only really two weeks. That we really focus on, and most most people don't. Even, anyway, I digress. Let me, let me. What are we to do about that as black pastors? What's our role 
What is our duty to help us realize the value of our life? What can we do as pastors, black pastors, to help us realize the value of our life? Let me give you another statistic. In 2010, 2010, this is a statistic, uh, the abortion number figures released by the CDC for New York City. They released it by ethnic group, white, black, Hispanic, and other, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, they released it. Statistically, black women aborted children, aborted their children, greater than white women and uh, Hispanic women. I think the figures for 2010 was like 30, over 30,000 for black women, about 25,000 for white women, and about 14, uh, 12 to 14,000 for Hispanic, and other groups uh, was about 5,000, level 5,000, 5, 6,000, somewhere in there. Now, that's staggering. Again, it's staggering because if we don't value the life at birth, we will not value the life during life. Which is what a lot of people do. You know, when you go into oppressed areas, and and I was raised in the hood. You know, I grew up in in, the, in an oppressed neighborhood. When I say oppressed, I mean economically, there were some challenges. You know, the average person didn't have uh, economic freedom. You know, financial freedom, they were dependent. You had a lot of those persons who were on food stamps, you know, received government assistance. And a lot of people lived in government houses. I mean, I was one of the few who actually lived in a house in my neighborhood that my par- my grandparents owned, not that they rented. And there were, you know, uh, there were a few. And, you know, in my neighborhood, we thought you were bougie if you lived in a brick house <laughs> that wasn't in the projects. But I digress. But on the south side of that, of my city, there was an apartment complex called Parkview, and it's still there. But that was the most violent area in the city because that was the most oppressed area in the city. And that, and that little pocket of the city more, was more crime because the people had little to no hope of ever doing anything or going away, even if they went to school. You know, they, they were just going because they were obligated. And then if they dropped out, they dropped out. You know, to do whatever they did. But there was a high crime rate in the neighborhood. Those pockets. You know, and it's, it's, it's all aware. Now, but in those same, in, in the same place, like in my neighborhood, just up the street around the corner, there were a, a number of churches within walking distance. But little to those, many of those churches did nothing. Those pastors did nothing to empower the community, to empower the kids. Now, some of them are doing something now, but back in the day, and yes, I laid this charge against the pastors. They didn't. They could have a shootout in front of the church after service, and folk act like it didn't happen. You know, I'm stretching a bit, but I'm just saying. Person get get killed in the neighborhood. And the pastor would not cry the act. 
And I'm sure there was a lot of places, other like other places like that, where it happened. Because some of them were too busy taking up the anniversary, you know, leading up the anniversary, having their programs, having their singings, and whatever it may have been. But the pastors did not lead the charge in in making sure that people valued their life. They were not leading the charge and trying to get economic development in the neighborhoods. They were not trying to, they were not leading the charge in holding those bl- in black leadership accountable. And so the black leaders were raping the communities and gaining money, making profit off of the oppression of their own people. They were not leading the charge in the crime against the violence that was going on. And I think that's while it has changed some today, it hasn't changed much. And I wanna I wanna say now in the community of Ferguson there 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 are a lot of things going on to to try to empower the people. I, and I want to uh bring this out. Um my brother and my friend, my brother Jamal Bryan is in the they they're bringing him in to address this issue. And and you know, he's had his issues, you know, he had his his thing, you know, several weeks ago, several months ago. Uh, but I got I have to commend the brother because he's still taking a stand. He's still making it known that uh, it's all about social justice, and and he can get his ego out the way enough to say, "Look, I'm just as fallible as every other human being, but we need to address this issue as pastors." So I, I want to commend those persons up there. They're bringing them in. I hope what they do will be um, will will be uh, helpful and will be pivotal in turning around the community. But I, overall, you know, we got to do better as pastors. What 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 are some things we could do as pastors to help create value? A sense of value. First of all, uh, we get our young men together. We mentor them. In the metro area, there's a wonderful mentoring group, several mentoring groups. Of course, we have the 100 Men of Jackson, uh, 100 Black Men of Jackson there. I was part of a 100 Black Men organization when I was in Arkansas and other places. I mean, you have those great – they are there, and they are doing it. They're taking up their time, taking out their time to empower these young black men. You, we have to change that image of themselves. You know, I, as much as hip hop culture has helped us, it has also hurt us. And we got to renew our mind so that we can be changed and think. You know, get these young people to say to themselves, "Ain't nothing wrong with going to school and wanting to be something other than a basketball, and, and, you know, an athlete." I thank God for the STEM programs and that's reaching out to blacks who are who are hungry and. You know, they understand now that they have this technology, they can figure out these things and they're wondering, it's, it's peaking their curiosity and they want to understand technology and science and things of that nature. It's wonderful to me. I'm glad that there are more young men entering fields such as medicine, chemical and electrical engineering in college. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for all of that. I'm glad that here in the Jackson area we have a lot of black men in the school system as teachers from the elementary I, I have one member here who is a preschool teacher and he's a man 
And some people thought, you know, and he's happily and well married. He ain't trying to do nothing with the children, but empowered and educated. That's what I'm talking about. So we we have to do that. Secondly, as pastors, we got to stop being um, separatists. We're not isolationists. We should not be isolationists. It should never be about your ministry alone. This is a collaborative thing. Your ministry won't get you nowhere but where you want to go. And nine times out of ten, that's selfish. But if you work with the community, and, and, and let me bring up scripture. If you want to go scripture with this, just think about what Paul did in First Corinthians. He said, "Why are you divided?" And the same thing in Galatians. Who 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 has divided you? You're saying you're Paul, you're Apollos, and you're this and you're that. Man, we are one body. There should be no division. Division. You know, we have separate agendas. That's okay. But lay your agenda aside to empower people in your city, in your community, and in your church, especially with young boys, because these young boys in black churches need to see the preacher doing something other than just preaching on Sunday morning, getting a paycheck, and driving the good stuff, and they trying to figure out how the preacher get it. Well, the preacher is hustling. So what are they going to try to do? Hustle? You got to get out of yourself. And, and you got to empower them. To tell them and tell them, you know, look, what they see is nothing more than a fad. Users, I mean, there is absolutely nothing new under the sun. And you've got to tell them this, you know, you want to sag your pants, guess what? You're going to be, just because of the way you, you dress, people are going to automatically assume things about you. And it's sad that we have to train, have to tell our young men that when they are confronted with police, how to behave, what they should and shouldn't do. We shouldn't have to do that, but we we, we need to. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the young man got a bit confrontational with the police officer because we have not trained them how to, how to and it's sad that we would have to do that, but we haven't done it. We have, as, we have to, as pastors, be about empowering and about liberation. And does that mean being a little more militant Regarding our people, then so be it. If that means standing up and saying, you know, we're, we're celebrating the Get On Up movie with Jack, James Brown, but what hurt me, what met, disgusted me is they, they didn't focus on how, how proud and how empowering he was for black people. He sang the song, I'm Black and I'm Proud. That became a rallying cry in the midst of this multi-generation, multicultural identity that they were trying to lop onto uh, the black community. No, we need to say, look, sometimes we need to stand up and raise our fist and say, I'm black and I'm proud. We need to teach them that. Ain't nothing wrong with being black and proud. And your black identity is not found in the music you listen to, per se, or the behavior you have. And I'm tired of seeing all these videos with black folk acting stupid. We need to get away from the drama on these reality shows and all this and train our people and, and, and say, this is not what we're about. We ain't about drama. We're not about fighting. We're not about being bougie. We're about empowering. But, hey, what do I know? You know, I'm just a little pastor. We're about to go off the, off the air, but we should be streaming. And, and I, I, you know, I, I just wish we had more time to do what we need to do. But I, 
I, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. It only takes one pastor to be bold enough to stand up for righteousness. Be the prophet of God that you say you're called to be. You're going to wear the title prophet. You're going to wear the title apostle. You're going to wear the title of all this crap. Be it. If you're going to be a prophet, speak to the injustice in the world. Speak to the injustice in your community. And don't be afraid to. Stop robbing the people. Speak to it. Raise up your voice as a voice of righteousness. Raise up your voice as a voice of the consciousness of God. And speak life. Your reward will come, yes, but you might not get it on this side. But you must be willing to be the prophet of God who speaks against the injustices. And one of the greatest injustices right now is the identity crisis that black folk are having. And we as preachers and pastors need to speak up to that. We're doing ourselves a great injustice by holding our tongue. Hey, you know, I've run out of time, and I, I, I wish I, I probably should have gone a little longer, but we'll catch this up on the, on another time. I probably follow up, but hey, I appreciate you for listening. Appreciate you for subscribing. Listen, uh, you know, we do this show every week, and I never ask for any support, but uh, if you if you are if you don't, if it lays it on your heart to do so, we need your support to help keep this show going. I, I it's not a lot. But uh, we put a lot of time into production and, and studying, and, and, you know, every little penny helps. So you'll be hearing me do a little bit more about asking for support. But until then, you know, you know, your support by listening and your support and prayers is wonderful to us. And if you do feel led to support us financially, we do appreciate it. But we're going to go on that note. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you. Appreciate you for tuning in. We're going to be back again next week at the same time. And uh, hopefully another same good topic. But I'd love to hear what you have to say. So sit in. Pastor Lorenzo Dale tuning out. Thank you. God bless you. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.